Welcome to the Embrace It series, where women with all types of disabilities can be real, resourceful, and stylish. With each episode, you'll walk or roll away with everyday tips, life hacks, and success stories from community leaders and influencers. So take off your leg braces and stay a while with Lainey and Estella. Hi, I'm Lainey, and I have CMT. And I'm Estella, and I also have CMT a neuromuscular disorder affecting approximately 2.6 million people worldwide. That's as many as MS. We believe that disabilities should never get in the way of looking or feeling good. Both of us wear leg braces and have learned through our own personal journeys to embrace it. For more information and exclusive resources, check out our websites at trend-able.com and hnf-cure.org. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button for future episodes and special promos. So thank you everyone for joining. We are super excited to have another fabulous guest for you. We have Paula Corozo and she has been blowing up if you don't follow her yet on Instagram and social media. She is putting out a ton of inclusive, bilingual, exciting, stylish content and uh, we are so excited to be having your energy here on the show and just telling us a little bit about what your mission is and, and how you're kind of opening the doors to adaptive fashion and, and diversity. And spirituality, too. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. I don't know. Estella is finding us the coolest, awesomest, mm-hmm. awesome guests. I mean, seriously, I didn't even know about you. And now I turned it on and like my son is in love with you. <laughs> I'm sure you hear that. <laughs> oh my God, you guys, thank you so much for having me. So, so happy to be on here with you guys talking about diversity, inclusivity, energy, you know, everything that we need to nurture our lives and to innovate. So, I'm so excited to be here and thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you for being here. So, let's start. Because we, we always like to start with, a, you know, your personal story, your journey, um, what your diagnosis is. We like to give a little bit of, you know, awareness to that area of your life and, and kind of how that brought you to where you are now. Of course. So at the age of five, I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy from the brain damage of a surgery. I actually went in for a tonsillectomy where in that surgery I had brain damage that later proceeded to be a cerebral palsy. Now, most cases of cerebral palsy are seen in premature babies where their brains don't, you know, form to the 100%. And then from there on, they're seen as preemies who have these developmental physical issues in either posture, um, walking or maintaining balance, etc. In my case, I was five years old when I went into that tonsillectomy. And due to the brain damage, my formal diagnosis was spastic diplegic cerebral palsy, which is a condition that limits your ability to move, your ability to maintain balance, and your posture in the physical sense. So this all happened in Venezuela, but due to the country's lack of resources and medical treatment, my parents decided to move to the U.S. And here I am, 25. You know, I I consider to have done a lot you know I graduated college I I pretty much had and still have a a life that people without physical disabilities have and yeah 
at the moment, I am an inclusive advocate. I'm a diversity advocate. I love to talk about inclusivity, anything from like adaptive fashion to accessibility in the streets. Um, I've partnered with some very cool brands such as Aerie and Google, you know, to keep portraying out the message of inclusivity, diversity, and the importance of keeping diversity in these brands because we all form part of the market. We're all part of people buying things, people, you know, out here. So, yeah. So, you know, when I look at your amazing Instagram that I referenced, and we'll put all the links, obviously, in our show notes, but Paula, it's like um, the basic, you know, the message that you're really sending on a daily basis. I mean, obviously, the modeling and all of that is amazing. But what I get from it is really just that you are comfortable with who you are, that you like yourself. Um, disability and all, and that you take risks and chances and you encourage other people to do the same and to take it one day at a time and to really be mindful of um, what they do and what they think and how they feel. And were you always like that? You know, for me growing up, I was always like my own person, my own kid. I never really cared about fitting in. I never really, obviously I felt being different. I felt that I was not the same, but I always said, you know, let me create my own story. Let me stand out. Let me, I don't know, let me be different. Shoot, I already am, you know? So, so, so why not embrace it? Why not like go with it? And then obviously growing up with a physical disability, things get tough and things can can be a little bit more difficult, not only outside in life, as we see it in the in the life of an adult with a physical disability, but at home. You know, I grew up in a Latino-based home with parents whose background was stigmatized on disability. So their daughter was not disabled. Their daughter just had a little problem. Their daughter did not have a medical condition. Their daughter just kind of had something that the cure didn't exist yet. You know, so a lot of it was like, I was constantly trying to break all these boundaries that I was placed in since I was a kid. And for me, that always kind of came naturally. Like, I felt like I never had to try to be like, I don't care if you don't think I'm normal. I don't care if you don't want to accept me into your, I don't know, your club. Like, for me, it was always like, it's just who I am. And it's who I want to be. And then growing up um, in a Latino-based home that stigmatizes and that doesn't really normalize, to use that term, the topic of disability, I was always like the kid that was in a way, you know, um, banned a bit for not walking normal or the kid whose parents kind of used a tactic of let me get mad at her to see if she walks better. Let me get mad at her to see if she can try harder in physical therapy because I felt like a part of them didn't fully accept that I was disabled. Communicating that you needed to be fixed in some capacity. Yes, yes. It was was this constantly, you know, trying to be fixed. So then I would go to physical therapy and doctors were telling me how to walk. I would come home and my parents were telling me, if you don't walk well, you know, you can't go play in the, go, go to the playground or wherever. 
And of course, now as an adult, it's like I get it. They wanted the best for me. They wanted for me to become as independent as I could. They just didn't know the proper tactic to use. And in Latinos, you get hit with those chancletas and people <laughs> don't care. You know, that's just, that's just the way to do things and that's just how it rolls. But now, as an adult, I, I understand what they were trying to do. They just didn't know how to communicate it properly. And, mm. you know, we had, we had a conversation, like I think it was three weeks or two, or two weeks ago, where we finally healed that. And my parents apologized. They were like, we're sorry for not being able to properly communicate that we wanted you to be independent, that we wanted you to be your best, and that we wanted you to maximize all of these medical resources for you to be potentially able to achieve everything you need to. Because there's a very big difference in between, you know, a person with a disability getting by, you know, kind of going in and being like, okay, so today I kind of worked out a little and yeah, I, I tried hard, but then there's a difference with a person. And this isn't anybody. It's called ambition and it's called how much you want to strive. You don't have to, you don't need to have a disability to, you know, be in this uh, thing but a lot of me was always accepting who I am and embracing it because it's really not that bad when you're comfortable in your own skin yeah I think that's so powerful because you know as a parent myself I can relate to your parents and I can relate to you obviously because you, you know, I'm sure they, they had this sense of fear. Like, if we don't push her farther, how is she going to get through life, right? How is she going to be able to be independent if we don't drill that into her? But, I mean, what, looking back now in hindsight, what could they have done better? You know, what what would have been, like, the ideal response and way to encourage a child with a disability so that you didn't carry that shame? I think that growing up, a big, a big, big issue was that they neglected being disabled. Like if it was something bad, you know, they neglected it. Like you shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't, you know? And then a big part of me, it's like, I, I don't mean this with an ego tone, but I have to be my own role model. I have to show up for myself a lot of times when I didn't see anybody like me. I didn't know, you know, I, I had no idea that uh, models with disabilities existed. I had no idea that bloggers with disabilities existed. You know, I didn't, I didn't know none of that was real until I kind of started creating my own thing and saw that there was a whole community behind it. But a lot of it, and it's a conversation that I had with them the other night, like you can't create change from a negative root, from a negative emotion. It just, it doesn't work. You can't, you can't lose weight by calling yourself fat every day in the mirror. That's like the best line ever. We are going to put that in big quotations. <laughs> I mean, that is so true, right? Like it's you grew and you can't, you're, you, you can't lose weight, you know, by calling yourself fat, like looking at your stretch marks and being like, what, what is this? And it was kind of the same thing with me. It was like, I was trying to fix my walk for them. I didn't even take a second to be like, I like the way I walk. I like the canes I use. I'm okay with limping. You know, it was all like because they were asking me in a way to be someone that I'm not. Right. 
And we see it every day in any, and I put this in habits because it's like the easiest examples that I can give. And we can go from like losing weight to waking up at 5 a.m. or to wanting to work out or whatever it is. If you're dreading yourself to go somewhere, to be someplace, you're already sending a neurological response to your brain that is not active. That's pretty much dead. So why do we expect for change to come in when we're basing it off negative emotions? Uh And there's so many negative stigmas still around disability that it's, you know, like you said, something to be fixed, something's wrong with you. We need to double down on everything so that you get quote unquote better because life with a disability is less ideal than life without a disability. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned role models who, you know, since you've, you know, since you're older now, who have been some of your role models in the disability community and, and influencers, who do you look to and, and say, yes, they are, they're doing it right. I, I, I want to, you know, connect with that person or I want to amplify what they're doing. I think, you know, yesterday I had this conversation and it's not even, it's not even people with disabilities. It's kind of people like Winnie Harlow. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure we all know about Winnie Harlow, the um, Jamaican model that has the skin condition. I believe it's yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what skin condition it is. She has the height to be a model. She has the features to be a model and she has a skin condition that could have stopped her ages ago. But she's out there representing a community that has never shown up in the runway. Mm. You know, we have people like Rihanna creating shades for every skin shade. And then we have people in the LGBTQ community. When I think about inclusivity, I think about it all. I think about how are people being responsible for including me? Because I wake up every day with responsibilities for my community. Whether that's showing up with a brand, whether that's showing up in a runway, whether that's showing up, I don't know, at a supermarket and correcting someone the way they call me or the way they name me, I have a responsibility. So for me, when I look at role models, I don't specifically like um, niche myself around the my community because, of course, I have many in there. But for me, it's like, what's the bigger picture? What's going to get the message out? Because this message is more than just having a disability. It's being a minority. Yes. It's being marginalized. And it's something that's not going to be, you know, fixed or expanded with just one community. It's a message for all. So, Paula, going back for a minute, and, like, you're so wise. You're 25, right? Like, you're so freaking wise. I mean, I can't even. It's hard to grip, like, that this is a 25-year-old that we're listening to. But, you know. I'm thinking about myself at 25 and people who are listening who might be 25 or their children are 25 with disabilities. Let's go to inclusion for a matter and not just like the big picture inclusion, but the everyday inclusion. So how do you handle things like friends not including you in things because like, let's say a group of people are going hiking on a hiking trip and, you know, they just don't invite you or they you know, how are you, how do you deal with the day-to-day stuff that someone who's 25 might have to contend with? Well, in terms of the thing is, I feel that my parents and my 
family always made everything inclusive for me. So when I became an adult and I saw that the world wasn't really inclusive, I kind of took a step back and I was like, what's going on? You know, what is this? But, you know, I I recently became part of the Clinique Co-Beauty Lab. Clinique recently launched this big, big project where they, they're picking women throughout the USA to speak on um, what is beauty and what is beautiful and how do we consider beautiful things, you know? And we're kind of all used to, oh, women with symmetrical faces, women with big lips, you know? And that's like the standardized way of seeing what we have been taught to see. So my kind of question is like, why don't I take you out of there for a minute and take you to what you haven't been taught to see and take you to how we can really fix this issue, which is expanding the the mindset of it. You know, so with brands, it's always showing them in a way that I have the knowledge, I have the expertise, I, I can be the consultant that you need to make your brand more inclusive, whether that is with clothing, whether that is with a specific campaign of, I don't know, with Google, it's like with a specific phone campaign. And then more or less in the day-to-day, it's like speaking up. If your friends don't include you, be like, hey, you know, you didn't include me when I thought you would. All, all of you guys went out, you know, and I, and, I, and I do feel some type of way about it. And you know what? That's fine. Because my feelings are feelings just like yours and they count. Um, I've had situations where my friends just officially don't invite me because you know, either they were going, I don't know, hiking or something, and they automatically assume that I can't go. And it's kind of like I just shoot them a text or, you know, I ask them, hey, can we talk? You know, I found out that you guys went hiking. You know, I just wanted to let you know that I can. I can. I just have to, you know, have some accommodations. But next time that you go, please include me. It's very simple. It's just a matter of you knowing how to communicate things and that's a big issue that we have within the community where people think that when we speak up we're attacking them and that's why they never speak up themselves and that's where I feel that's something we need to fix. It sounds like you also are self-confident right so you believe you're worthy like you so a lot of times people don't say hey like I next time please ask me I want the ability to make the choice mm-hmm. like if you take away that choice that's not like being a great friend right so but a lot of times people with disabilities like they um they don't feel like they can speak up because they don't feel like it matters or that they matter they personalize that experience to be like they don't like me because of my disability you know and I you know I want to just segue because a lot of what you do, aside from the brand stuff, but what you post on Instagram is really about, you know, using chakras and using different Mm -hmm. spiritual, I I don't even know how to describe it, but like, why don't you talk about what is chakras? Okay. So ever since I was a young, I'm going back to when I was 13, I couldn't participate in many physical activities and my parents wouldn't let me lift weights without um, the supervision of a physical therapist because either I could hurt myself or whatever. The only activity that I found that I was able to do on my own was yoga, right? So then you would see this little 13-year-old next to her couch at home doing yoga with like braces, you know, embracing myself. And then even my dad was like, this girl's going to end up a witch one day. And I'm like, so what? (laughs) 
That's fine. You know, it's not a give. It's going to shock the world. We're neutralizing everything now. So I began that yoga journey. And what I realized at the age of 13 was that yoga was a practice that connected your physical body, your spiritual sense, and your mind in one practice to elevate you, to take you higher. And I'm not only speaking in like energy realms because that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother podcast, but it's really being present, owning your space, taking up that space that you're taking in the mat. One thing that yoga teaches us is to take space and that it's fine. And, and, and I don't mean like take space, be alone, you know, do that if you need to be, but own the space that you take, own the warrior, own the poses that you're doing. And that, in a way, taught me that I own myself, I own my walk, I own my canes, you know, I own who I am. And I feel that yoga was a big part of that because, in a way, it kind of like elevated me to, 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 to believe in myself and to own who I am. And then with that, obviously, I've been a full, full... Uh, energy person all my life. You know, I've been meditating since I was like 13. I've been working with aromatherapy since I was like 15. Big, big energy gal here because it's really all connected. We think it's not, but it really is. And once you're able to connect that energy or connect to the energy with your self worth, your value, who you are in a positive way, you can really rule the world. Like, there's no question to it. Yeah. Well, I think that answers Lainey's question about how you can be so wise at 25. Because I think, <laughs> I think that's where a lot of wisdom comes yoga. from. It's, from. it's from, you know, taking those moments of silence and reflection mm-hmm. and tap into something greater than yourself. And I love um, the way you talk about intention because so many times we have so many distractions every day. We feel like we should be pulled here. We're being pulled here. But to have that intention to return back to that space, to ourselves at exactly. some point in our days is um, is really transformative because, you know, doing that consistently gives you like a safe place to return to. It, it yeah. gives you an opportunity to think about where, what, what am I doing with my energy? Where do I want to put my energy? Mm-hmm. Where do I want to pull away from? What's draining me? Mm-hmm. What's pulling me? And, you know, for me, that's what meditation does, you know, for me. And I, I really yeah. love that you bring that to, you know, your content and, and merge that with disability because, you know, we all need that space, whether it's just if we have a disability or not. I, I, I agree. I agree. And one thing that yoga also taught me since a young age was to stay humble and to know that to own your mistakes, you know, in the yoga mat, it's like you show up and you're going to fall and you're going to try to do a headstand and you're going to fall. And then that's kind of going to take you back to how hard you were on yourself or how hard you were with somebody else when you weren't humble. It takes you back because when you get to the mat, it's like you're just yourself for five minutes. And it kind of takes you away, you know, from the energy you've been dragging on because it shows you that you're here to be. You're not here to to, to look a certain way, to, to be a certain person. If you're the boss from nine to... No. You're here to be. And I think that's, the, that's been one of the greatest lessons I've had in my life. And we see that. Um, like, I see that. 
when I've been able to transform that message onto my platforms. Yeah. And I love the way you, you're bilingual as well and the way you, you communicate because, you know, I think that's just added value because we do need to bring, you know, this is a global movement. This is a global mm-hmm. effort. And I think you really, you know, attracts a whole new community. Like you said, um, I grew up in a Latino family too. And, mm-hmm. you know, there is a lot of stigma around, um, you know, the disease and like, you know, there's all these quote unquote cures. So, you know, just bringing that awareness to as a Hispanic woman and in a bilingual way, I think is super interesting. And the way you present it as um, like your internal voice versus what people see. I love those videos. Like the one you did crossing the street. Crossing the street. uh, That was a winner. Yeah. And your inner voice is like saying, breathe, just breathe one step at a time. You're like talking yourself through it. And then you show, you know what just anybody sitting in their yeah, car the elevator music whatever yeah and they're probably like oh this poor girl she must be in pain you know like you can hear the outer dialogue of society in contrast to your inner dialogue and i just think that's so creative and insightful for people to like get that peek behind you know mm-hmm. what somebody with a disability really is thinking because how would anyone know that right right and stella that was like like um, we did a podcast called like um, thought distortions, a whole um, one of our podcast. I don't know what, if yeah. I was really a good podcaster, I'd say episode number, blah, blah, blah. Or not. So somewhere we did one on thought distortions and, you know, I loved that example because um, you know what your feelings and thoughts are, but when we're aware and we really think, okay, we are making assumptions probably about what others are thinking and that's causing us more anxiety. They may not be thinking that at all, right? That person might be just sitting in their car (laughs) and like thinking about what they're going to have for dinner or yelling at their kid on the phone or whatever, you know? So I love that because you, you, I think Estella's did say it best. The reason you are so wise is really because most people who are 25 or 50 like me, they're not, slowing down they're not mindful that is a skill did you, like for those who are listening who like have no idea including myself like that aren't real yogis don't necessarily see themselves doing yoga practice but want to become more mindful do you have any like tips for everyday mindfulness i would definitely say start start with simple things you can maybe even start by activating your five senses and you're probably like paula what do you mean like i activate my five senses every day no really like activate your five senses like do a little practice for 30 minutes where you activate your five senses so let's start off um dance to your favorite music you're activating your hearing but really sink in. Like, I don't want you to, okay, I'm going to dance for five minutes. No, like dance to your favorite music, but feel it and make sure, you know, you can either wear um, headphones if that makes you feel it or blast it, whatever. Be authentic, be yourself. Light up your favorite scented candle. Cook your favorite food. That's more for taste, but if, if you're into food aromas, food scents, do that. Play with essential oils. Play with candles, um, play with colognes, but really tune in. Don't just kind of like, okay, yeah, I smell great, I'm out the door. No, like take take <laughs> a couple minutes of your day to focus and to be present, but only do it when you allow yourself to be present. Because if you're trying to be present, 
Well, no, I have to wake up the, the kids in 10 minutes. Oh, I have to be in a meeting in five minutes. You're not really there. So a lot of it is choosing when you can be present. And this is not just when you're going to practice your meditation. This is canceling on plans when you don't feel like showing up. This is really tuning into your body and listening to the kinds of food your body's asking you for to eat. This is more than just I'm present and I'm here. And always remembering that when you say a no, when you know you can't be present, you're giving yourself a huge internal yes. And you're giving yourself space and the time that you really need that you're mind and your body's asking for we do this all the time our friends it's a friend's birthday it's a dinner they're going out whatever we say yes we show up and we're just like tiktok tiktok like we don't want to be there right so why not choose when you can be present and from there on it's going to be a whole other journey for you when we say yes to ourselves we give ourselves that opportunity to be more present Right exactly. when we do when we do say yes to everyone else, um, so I love the way you, you phrase that, Paula. What's your um? We you know I'm with uh, Trendable. You know I don't know if you saw the website, but we're all about adaptive fashion, or in general, I'm about fashion and making it adaptive for myself with and others, and giving them tips and ideas for fashion with leg braces and um, being able to have a style that's your own not because you have a disability, but, you know, whatever your style is, um, being able to rock it. What is your style? Uh, I don't know. I'm so moody when it comes to my style and when it comes to what I want to wear. You're never going to see me in preppy or, like, chic clothes. I'm more of, like, your edgy fishnet rocker, but, like, modern, sophisticated, casual classic look. It's weird. (laughs) It all works. You make it work. (laughs) I mean, hey, you know, I feel that fashion is a way to express yourself. Fashion is an art. And being taken back for so long on how I can express who I am, my personality, like, not having adaptive clothing really makes me, like, show up full force whenever I want to wear something or whenever I want to dress. I'm a big active wear gal, but mostly because I can't wear regular clothing. So anything like a jogger, a big fit always feels nice, always feels comfortable, even for people with sensitive skin, sensory type of material. Um, But when I go out, it's like, who is she? Wait, I don't know her. You know, it's like I'm coming in like full force, But definitely, I would say edgy, you know, broken jeans, combat boots, always like, hey, I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) How are you guys? (laughs) And then the chain fashion is obviously on a whole nother level. Um, I don't wear accessories. I wear canes, right? I don't do earrings. I barely do necklaces. I wear canes. So you always see me in like multiple um, colored canes. Those also depend on my mood. I have like wooden ones i have neon ones from neo walk sticks one of my favorite keen brands then i have like the sophisticated ones then i have like my daily one it's a mood vibe it really you is. have like a whole collection i love that yeah the cane collection has definitely grown it will keep on expanding yeah i especially love the pink glitter one sparkle one that you mm, make in a lot of mm-hmm. photos because it's like it really does make give make you look twice yeah. At like, oh wow, she's 
the, the whole outfit is complete. She's got the cane. And it's just, it's such a statement. It really is such a statement. So if you were to give, I guess, any final point or word of advice um, to our listeners, some kind of call to action, um, what, what would that be? What do you want people to take away from your posts? A lot of it is accept yourself. Mm. Accept yourself and love yourself. And just know that you are here to be who you're here to be. And whether that is, you know, something like me, like embracing your disability or being a mother or being an entrepreneur or a yogi or whatever, just be it. Because there's one thing you owe to yourself in this life. And I would say is giving yourself a shot in trying something that you know you could be the best in. Because I feel like, you know, all of our lives, like when I was growing up, I was like, okay, so I have to get through high school. Okay, so I have to get through college. And getting to college is like I studied uh, publicity. I studied PR. I ended up being a publicist for the first couple of years of my career. And then I was like, this is not really what, I mean, I love to write. I love to tell stories. But I ended up telling my own story because I knew that that's what I was going to be the best at. And I know it's not something Mm -hmm. that happens from day to night, but I know it's something that you deserve to give yourself a shot because it's what you owe to yourself. When you know that you can potentiate in something, when you know that you can be the best in something, you truly deserve to give yourself that shot. So I would say, you know, whether you're a person with a disability listening to this or someone, you don't need to have a disability, but you still deserve to give yourself a shot in something you know you can really change the world. So, so how say. can people um, help you in in what you're doing? And like, is there a way that people can help to be a part of this effort of, of inclusivity and sharing that message? I would say a lot of it is don't be scared to ask questions. You know, the topic of disability is very taboo and we're all kind of like, I want to know, but I don't know how to ask when you just kind of need to ask, you know, as long as you don't come from like a disrespectful tone or a rude tone, it's all good. But I need you to ask these questions because we need to stop being.